Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on a modern wedding quandary, a very, very overly intrusive neighbor, a double last name confusion, and addressing envelopes. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about toasts and clinking glasses. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript where we visit the earliest days of awesome etiquette on the dinner party download podcast all that coming up awesome etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in vermont and is proud to be produced by the emily post institute i'm lizzie post and i'm dan post senning hey guys How's it going? It's going well. I'm giggling because I know what our intro topic is today. And over, over the... Uh, please? Thank please? You. Please? <laughs> Little batty eyelashes and a head tilt. Tell us what your darling, darling second daughter has been up to lately. <laughs> it's very etiquette <laughs> Aria Sending is is not as uh, a big a talker as her sister anisha was a a very verbal little girl all the time yeah. and her little sister's more of a watcher she's got a lot of confidence social confidence but she doesn't talk as much and i think that probably in the first six seven eight words that she learned were please and thank you mm-hmm. and w- when we were answering the question last week about your welcome I was thinking a lot about um, Aria's vocabulary and at what point she would pick up your welcome to go with her thank you because she gets so much work out of those magic words. She <laughs> She's able to accomplish so much with them. And it's, it's really yes. what I've been watching that, that that is sort of bringing up an etiquette thought in me. But the easy one and the one we were playing with is that she's got this very coy please that she breaks <laughs> out now where it's like – it's almost like she's posing for the camera. She cocks her head to the side and draws it out a little bit. Please. She knows if she makes it cute, it's going to, that cookie might come. <laughs> That's funny. Cutie was another one of her early words. Oh, was it? Cutie. <laughs> That's funny. Cutie. You're like, yeah, we call you that a lot, don't we? <laughs> I know, right? Note she to is. self. <laughs> but I, I love the fact that not only is she using them all the time, but it so reiterates the advice that we were giving last week about uh, kids' table manners. And the, it's the repetition. And I know you and Pooch just every single time that she asked for something or you gave her something, or even it was an interaction between her and her sister, like not direct to one of you two. It was the reminders of please and thank you were there. So, she, I mean, she 
she definitely not only picked it up because y'all use it in your house, but because you were really yeah. intentional about it. Am, am I right? Are you fooling me? Do I? <laughs> no, I, 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 I appreciate you saying it because I was thinking something very similar as I was reflecting on it. And <laughs> I, I think she learned those words from us saying them to her. Yes. Where it's not it's not us trying to teach her how to say those things to get the things she wants. It's you use them with her. Yeah. Please, please. So please, please becomes the thing that 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 is her ask. And the thank you, too, which was, um, I think, more of a surprise because it's the follow. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it was also something she learned really, really early. And it's so satisfying. It, it's um, it's nice to hear it, but it's also nice to see it work for her. Totally. So, cause for our last episode's uh, sustaining member question, when's she gonna start saying "You're welcome"? <laughs> it's gotta be coming. It's yeah. gotta be coming. Yeah. And since last week, I think it's more likely to be coming. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's been in my mind. <laughs> totally. They are such little mirrors. They teach us a lot about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I bet when she does, it will be music to your ears. <laughs> And I will be sure to keep everyone posted. <laughs> In the meantime, let's get to some questions. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember, use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S. 
to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled Modern Wedding Quandary. Good morning. I really enjoy listening to your show and recently found myself with my own etiquette question. My son is getting married in a few weeks. However, it will just be the parents with an officiant in attendance at this time. They plan to have a full ceremony later when there isn't so much concern with the pandemic and they have more funding as they will be paying for it themselves. We will be traveling to attend and have offered to pay for the lodging for the bride and groom. But should I also have a gift prepared? If yes, what would a customary gift be? We may kick in funding when they eventually have the larger ceremony, but we've always told our children that we would pay for college and they would be responsible for their wedding. I just want to be prepared for this event, even though they have downplayed it by keeping it quiet and will announce it afterwards. Also, as a side note, my husband and I did something similar by eloping and never had a ceremony until we did a vow renewal at 20 years. So my wedding knowledge is limited. Any thoughts? Thanks in advance. Janae in Nevada. Hey, Janae. My big picture thought is going to be some very simple etiquette advice, which is I'd go ahead and get a gift. It's a great way to celebrate and to bring sort of your full participation as a wedding guest to that ceremony experience, however small and limited it might be at this particular moment. And I think that's a a really admirable, worthwhile, good thing to be doing. Lizzie Post? I have two different thoughts on this. I think that um, it's really common for parents to do or or other relatives or people to do a uh, contribution to the wedding as their wedding gift. But when that happens, that's usually set up and, and explicitly said around the idea of the contribution. So in this case, if when you were setting up that lodging and you were going to tell uh, your son and his fiance that you were going to do this for them, you would say, as a gift to you for your wedding, we would love to contribute to your lodging, you know, for the weekend of the wedding. And I think that's how it's nice and clear. It's it's understood. There won't be anything else coming. This is our, our way of gifting something to you. And that's also really common. We've I've, I've participated in a wedding where someone's gift was to do all, all the flowers and that it, mm-hmm. it just it does happen, but it's it's clearly spelled out. I am also in Dan's camp, I will say. So my other thought is in Dan's camp of, I say, just get a gift anyway. If budget is at all a concern, then I would do something uh, simple or smaller, and that's perfectly acceptable since you are contributing to the wedding. But I think that something would be a good idea. And if there really is no room in the budget for any gift, even, even a small gift, I would do your words, and I would make them very sentimental. And I, w- I would make the presentation of them on a, on a really nice card, something, you know, probably without pre-written stuff on it, you know, things like that. I would, I would make it just cause it's the son, but you know, the, the, the parent child relationship is so special. Um, I think in a lot of ways, words can be an incredible gift, um, at a wedding. So th- th- those are my thoughts. <laughs> And I would say in terms of gift ideas, it, mm-hmm. it, it's a little cliche, but it's a little cliche because it works for a wedding gift. I don't think you could ever go wrong thinking about the home, thinking about setting yeah. up a couple in a home. And it can be 
really nice towels. You could spend a lot of money really like for a room in the house. That's what the registries are so nice for. I don't know about towels versus dishware versus something else. Um, <laughs> but, but it can also be as small as the best Lizzie Post present, um, the engraved picture frame. The, yeah, that's my go-to as, favorite. <laughs> as people come together, they might have pictures of them together. And it's a... It doesn't need to be a big present to be honoring the new couple and to fit in that home well. And for a wedding this small, you're probably unlikely to, to have a registry when it's just the parents coming, you know, yeah. for for this part at least. Um, and we know that, that there are lots of considerations when it comes to being invited to a, a, a second ceremony and reception for a couple when it comes to gifts. But for something this small, there's not likely going to be a registry and – so this is where I, I do, Dan, I do. I lean heavily on my, my engraved picture frame. It's just such a great way to commemorate the day and celebrate them. And it just, it works. As, as long as you get something that's kind of goes easily with most decor, you win with this one. <laughs> Janae, we, we can't leave this question, or at least I can't leave this question without mentioning one other thing. As a side note, my parents also eloped many years ago yeah. and didn't do... Uh, vows or a ceremony until they did a renewal. And I think they were a good oh, 30 plus years in when, yeah. when they did their ceremony. But uh, you made me think of my parents with your story. And I want to wish you the best of luck with the wedding that you have in your future. A husband and wife who have learned to give freely to each other and to their family have learned the secret of a happy marriage. That kind of love is not new. But not every man and woman knows where to look for it. And the only place that exists in themselves. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next question is a long one. Over my overly involved neighbor. Dear Lizzie and Daniel, thank you so much for your podcast, which I've been binge listening to. I am at a loss on how to deal with my new neighbor. It's awkward, for me at least, but I'm afraid I need to have an uncomfortable and potentially rude, probably on my part, conversation, and I'm seeking your guidance. A few years ago, we moved into our dream home, our forever home. Situated on a quiet and private drive off a cul-de-sac just outside of Washington, D.C. Little did we know that it came with a built-in security system, our nosy neighbors. The family across the street from us are home all the time. The husband works from home, the wife doesn't work, and the grown children are home. Over the years, we've become friendly. We speak to them when outside. The wife and I are friendly, and she's come over for tea on occasion, or we've had wine on my front porch. But I think that was a mistake. I'd say that we're more than acquaintances, but less than friends, if that's a thing. My neighbor probably is harmless, but she hasn't an ounce of situational awareness or social grace. She texts me at all hours of the day and night, often commenting on my work attire when she's seen me in my driveway from inside her house, how late I've been at the office, about painting our son's bedroom, where I'm putting a coffee table that was being delivered. And last month, she pushed her way into our dining room during my birthday dinner to deliver an unnecessary but kind gift 
then proceeded to stand at the table, complaining about having to cook for her family. There I sat, beef bourguignon that my dear husband made, on the tip of my fork going cold, as my husband stands at the front door. She pops over often. As her questions became increasingly personal, we tried to keep our distance, and we installed shears on the first floor, which I keep closed during the day. I close all the blinds and drapes at night to keep prying eyes out. But on the off chance I forget, I get a text asking me about what I'm doing in my house. I don't feel comfortable being out in my front yard without receiving a text or hearing a comment later about what I was doing or wearing. It can be anything from my sweeping my front porch or my husband taking his motorcycle for a spin. I know I need to have an uncomfortable conversation, but I'm terrible at confrontation. And also, I don't necessarily want to be rude. But I feel, in order to get my point across, I may have to be. And then, I'm worried about it being awkward for the rest of my life. This is our dream house. Our forever home. I don't intend on ever moving. Yet I don't want it to be awkward with my neighbors. My husband and I hate feeling like we're always being watched. How do I address this? It seems like such a strange topic to bring up, and honestly, when she texts me inappropriate questions, I just ignore her texts. But it never stops. Please help. I'm not sure what to do. With kind regards, Kathleen. This is a doozy. This, this is, is a doozy. A doozy. And I mean, normally we shorten questions, but there was just a, a lot in there that, you know, that's hard. I mean... This is a doozy. It is, we, we should be clear. This is beyond, I mean, this is well beyond standard hellos and how are you's that can sometimes feel intrusive. But this, this, you know what I mean? It's like, like sometimes you're like, oh, I want to go out, pick up the paper at the end of the driveway and not have anyone say hi to me while I'm in my bathroom. I wish I was the only bathrobe. person that lived on this planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we all have those moments. But this is like people observing your behavior and commenting on it regularly. Texting you it's, about the clothes you wear to work. I mean, I know some of our audience is going to write in hearing this say this really borders on or qualifies for stalker-ish like behavior. And I agree that it is probably going to be a somewhat awkward conversation, but I do think you can find a way to not have to feel rude when you're delivering this or, or talking about this. But I think um, that's a really important point, Lizzie it, Post. And it's it's so hard because what is happening to you is it's 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 pretty bad behavior. I mean, pushing into someone's dinner that then clearly is like a, a sit down, you know, family around or couple around the table eating together for your birthday and you, you stand there and complain about your own cooking for your family. Like that's just like beyond to me there. She, she was, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that was, that's, that's a beyond moment. But I was trying to think Dan about what it would sound like to confront this issue. And some of the first things that are coming to mind are that there has to be a balance struck here between detailing all of the bad behavior and at mm -hmm. the same time making her aware of all the things that you are considering not appropriate. Also, the next thought I had was I feel like it, this is a place where it's necessary to say I'm not comfortable with and then do the, you know, that, that when you, I feel, mm -hmm. you know, when you text me about what I'm wearing, even when you're complimenting my outfit, it makes me feel watched, which makes me very uncomfortable. 
I'm hoping you could choose to share a compliment like that when we're in person in the moment. You know what I mean? If we've crossed paths for the day. I feel like there's both going to be like, I, I don't know, how would you balance the vastness of how many kind of issues there are with the needing to have a conversation about it? Because I could see this being 20 confrontational conversations or one really big one. Yeah. And I actually like the direction that you're going. I think that you respond with an awareness of the sort of whole situation. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I wouldn't try to address the whole situation with someone. I would be as specific as you're being and I would start to address the particular instances in a way that I might not if they were isolated. So I would make different choices about how I would talk about the most recent text that came in that was bothersome. And I might not say the way you text me is really frightening. I feel like I'm being watched all the time, which is part of the feeling I get as I read this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And just get it out. Say that thing to yourself. But then you can address the specifics of, of a text. And I liked the certainty of your language. And I also liked how specific you were about the thing that happened. And if someone's dealing with, Um, larger issues or they're trying to sort out a number of things about how they relate to neighbors, the details about your specific expectations and boundary setting are going to be really important because clearly they're having a hard time making these judgments themselves. Oh, yeah. And so you're really trying to help them understand what your boundaries are and thinking about it like that might be a way to think of the conversation as less of a confrontation about bad behavior and help you put it into that category in your own mind of this is the work that I'm doing to be comfortable in my forever home. Mm -hmm. And it's work I'm really invested in. That's important because these are my neighbors Mm -hmm. and I can't control them, but I can have some agency in my relationship with them. I think so. And part of that agency for me, when we go past the like, the observational stuff where, where someone's commenting on, on what you looked like when you didn't actually physically interact with them that day. One of the lines that gets me is that pushed your way into the dining room on my birthday dinner. And that's a hard moment when someone shows up at the door with a gift for you. And our Kathleen acknowledges this is nice, but not expected, an unnecessary gift, but it's still a, a thoughtful, nice thing that she's doing. That can be a really hard thing to balance, right? Because you're, you're good recipient skills are telling you, I need, I need to be grateful. Someone just like gave me something and you're, I'm fed up with how this person pushes their life onto me or pushes, pushes themselves onto me is also in the mix. For me, that's a moment where if I can't stop this person at the door, if they do, if I can't say something like open the door a crack and say, oh, you know, hi, is everything okay? You know, you're over here now. Oh, yes, I'm just here to give you a, a you know, a birthday gift because it's your birthday. Oh, my gosh, now is not a great time. You know, you have to do the thing where you accept the gift, but then don't welcome them in. Oh, my gosh, thank you so much. That's so thoughtful of you. Now actually isn't a good time. Could we do the exchange later this week? I could give you a call. We could set something up or, you know, I'd I'd love to catch up with you a different time. And that's the, you know, now you're starting to close the door and, and thank you so much or receive the gift and close the door, whichever way feels most natural. But if they've actually pushed past, if she makes it into the house, now is where at at some point when she makes a comment, I think you have to say, Oh, I I hear you on the dinner thing. That's why it's so nice my husband cooked for me tonight. 
I am going to have to say, do you mind if we carry on another time or catch up a different time? This is a really special moment for us. And I really, I, I really want to be in it with just my husband or just my family. And I think that when, when someone's pushed that far and isn't picking up on the clues, that being clear about that, I need to redirect you out of my home right now is fine. I probably wouldn't be as keen to do it if there were a lot of other guests at the house. Does that seem fair, Dan? I agree, Lizzie Post, and it's it's not always easy to do, but yeah. it's important that you assert yourself in those moments, and it's not impolite to do that. It's impolite to feel bad about having to assert yourself to lose control emotionally and to say something you regret. Uh, but uh, to I tell see. someone that now <laughs> yeah. isn't a good moment, there, there's nothing rude about that. That's mm-hmm. that's really something that's okay to say. I was thinking about the the way that you would address a particular problem with someone like this. The other piece of advice I wanted to give is to be very specific about the behavior it is that you would like corrected. Mm. So I was thinking about asking someone not to watch you when they're a neighbor. And that's potentially difficult because watching is something that someone else gets to decide for themselves. Mm-hmm. And you could drill down and ask for the person not to contact you. It's hard to ask someone not to look out their window or mm-hmm. to watch your house. I think you take control the way you can in those situations. You get the blinds. Mm-hmm. But you can very reasonably ask someone not to text you about it. Mm-hmm. And you can very reasonably give people times that it's okay to text. I think mm-hmm. you can very clearly say to a neighbor, around 8 o'clock, I'm really trying to not be on my device. And it's potentially going to wake me up. I'd, I'd like to ask you not to do that. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't go around telling everyone I meet not to call me after a time when they should know <laughs> not to call me. Right. You're but in control of your device. Exhibiting but... <laughs> that behavior consistently, yeah. I think it could be a part of repairing that relationship in a way that you don't need to flee from it. Mm-hmm. And I'm also hearing that and I don't want it to deteriorate to the point where you're scared to have any kind of contact with this person who is a neighbor. Like you say, less than a friend, more than an acquaintance. In a forever home instance, you know, where you're going to really be here for a long time. And the final, final parting bit of advice. Yeah. And we say it a lot of as a part of a lot of our answers. And I think it's particularly important in this case. Mm. Make your good intentions explicit. Yes. Frame the entire conversation with an explicit statement. I want to have a good relationship with you. I want to have a good really I want to have the best possible relationship with my neighbors that that matters to me. And there's something I want to talk to you about as a neighbor. Absolutely, Dan. Absolutely. I think that is really, really good language for setting it up well, as well can be at this degree (laughs) of correction. Kathleen, we are so sorry for the situation that you find yourself in, and we really hope that chunk by chunk, bit by bit, this can get better and that you can really feel comfortable in this beloved forever home. The Black Widow is a menace on five continents. In years when warm weather is prolonged, her numbers increase. She's a constant dweller in many places around homes or other structures. The widow usually attaches her web in dark corners. The black widow has eight eyes through which she looks into her own world. A world from which man, with all his intelligence and research, has much to learn. Our next question is titled, Last Name Confusion. 
Dear Lizzie and Dan, first of all, let me tell you how much I admire you and your show. I've been listening to the podcast for at least three years now, and I love the way you address all etiquette matters with good humor, love, professionalism, and compassion. Thanks for everything I've learned from you. Here's my question. I recently got married and decided to adopt my husband's last name, but I added it to my maiden name. My first struggle was to make sure that people understand I have one first name and two non-hyphenated last names. Now that my husband and I are starting to write our Christmas card, how should we print our address labels? Are we John and Mary Jones Smith? Or is it better to say we are John Smith and Mary Jones Smith? Are we the Jones Smith family? Neither of us have children, and we are well past the childbearing age, by the way. I hope you can help me. It might be too late this year, but I hope to get it right for future occasions. Thanks so much, and the happiest of holidays to you and your loved ones. Best regards. Identity confusion. Identity confusion from someone else who often uses his mother's last name and his father's last name together as a non-hyphenated last name. I appreciate <laughs> the subtleties of this question. Have you been in this position, sir? <laughs> not this exact position, because I use that name professionally, not socially. But yeah. it's, um, it's definitely a choice that I also made at one point early in my professional career. I like the option of John Smith and Mary Joan Smith. Me too. The option of John and Mary Joan Smith in some ways communicates the idea that John and Mary share the last name Jones, Jones Smith. Exactly. And it might be entirely um, possible or maybe at some point in the future, John decides he would like to be Jones Smith like you. That's a, um, yeah, totally. <laughs> and if that were the case, John and Mary Jones Smith would work just nicely. Um, but given the current situation where I'm assuming that John retained the last name Smith and we're going to say Mary is using Jones Smith, that I would use the and. I completely agree. Identity confusion. We know that we're long past the holidays, but we hope that this answer helps with future mailings. And I will also just add in a little PS. Definitely tell people that it's a non-hyphenated last name. A lot of people will assume it's hyphenated. I appreciated you including that in the question. Our next question is another short one about titles. This one addresses addressing envelopes. How do you address an envelope to a couple when the man is a senior, junior, or third? So for this answer, a little bit depends on how his partner is choosing to use the last name. So if his, in the situation where a, a wife goes socially and formally by her husband's first and last name, this is where you can do the thing where you do Mr. and Mrs. John Jameson, and then you do comma, J-R, period, capital J, lowercase r, period, for junior. If she doesn't go by his first name, then you leave the junior to only him in all the other circumstances. So you have Mr. John Jameson, comma, junior, abbreviated, and then and Mrs. Eliza Jameson, if she has his last name but doesn't use his first name. And then if she has totally her own name, kept her own name, it's Mr. John Jameson, comma, junior, and Mrs. or sorry, Ms. Eliza Huckstep or whatever her uh, maiden name is. That makes sense. So essentially, if the couple is using his full name first and last, you would also use those 
I don't want to call them supplemental titles, but those other titles, those suffixes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there is a little bit when you when you research this, there's a little bit of discrepancy between between the comma or not the comma. Do you want to fill us in on that, Dan? I, I was um, a little alarmed when I discovered that the newspaper style guides, the AP style guides say omit the comma. And <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying to myself that's about efficiency writing for the public in newspapers mm-hmm. and for a, an invitation or addressing someone where it's not all about economy and mm-hmm. preserving characters. I would go with the, the traditional the comma. comma. The comma. And what about when we're using the, like the second or the third or the fourth or fifth? Not necessary. No comma necessary. Anonymous, we hope our answer helps you when you are addressing couples with suffixes. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media posts so we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we're hearing from Catherine regarding the child safety question from episode 342. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I love, love, love the podcast. I am listening to this week's episode and Claire's question about intervening when she saw her friend's car seat installed incorrectly. I have been in this situation so many times, especially with my kids' grandparents. Mm. It feels so awkward to point out any mistake, but I always hear Dan's voice in my head saying safety trumps etiquette. So I always say something. I try to keep it light and breezy and not accusatory as if pointing out that they did something wrong because I know they care very much that their grandkids are safe. One time in particular, I was driving my mother-in-law's car with a car seat that she had installed and it just didn't seem right. Despite feeling super uncomfortable about it, I actually called her to ask if she had followed the manual. When she said she didn't and had essentially made it up, I knew that I had to take it out and reinstall it the right way. My mother-in-law was very gracious about it, too, and I knew I had made the right decision. Thanks for everything you do to make the world a nicer place. Stay safe and take care. Catherine. Catherine, thank you so much. That's such a, it's such a good piece of feedback to hear where someone else has executed this well and it, it worked. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Catherine, thank you for the feedback. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to be talking about the beginning. This podcast has origins 
almost a decade old now because it feels so old saying it. We were babies when we got started in this on-air question-answer format. But you, you really definitely this week have brought the two of us back to the beginning because you've been exploring our earliest DPD, that's Dinner Party Download, episodes, which is where the show idea like spun off from. Absolutely. It, it it all started with a a freak occurrence on Google and <laughs> an etiquette what search happened? that I was doing turned up an old episode of the Dinner Party Download as a, a high search result. And nice. <laughs> it, it was so it was so much fun to see it. I followed the link and went right down the rabbit hole and <laughs> I had to grab you and take you down with me. And then I said, hey, can we please do a postscript about this? It was so much fun. <laughs> So I've got to explain a little bit about how the exploration went because it's it's part of why I wanted to do the postscript today. It started off with me in an archive, a search of the Dinner Party Download podcast show mm-hmm. that was based on Lizzie Post's name. So I got every episode <laughs> that was cataloged with Lizzie Post's name and it was several pages and it looked like a pretty complete showing of our appearances on the Dinner Party Download. I said, this is so much fun. I have to share this with Lizzie and... I should share it with the podcast audience because yeah. we hear from people that the archive has been binged. That's our archive, all 340-something <laughs> episodes now. But there are more episodes. There are more shows with Lizzie and I answering etiquette questions. And I tried to go to the very start of that list. And the show there, it clearly wasn't the start. We were referring to the show as a regularly occurring segment at that point because we should probably break and just explain that the dinner party download started off as as a half hour podcast and it was a culture and art show that would that would hopefully give you fodder for your dinner parties over the weekend and it grew to an hour-long show that actually was starting to that that really did air on the radio Uh, it was produced by american public media so just just to clarify what what the show was and, and what we were on so when i got to that first or that what appeared to be the earliest episode with Lizzie and I on it, we were already opening the segment talking about how good it was to be back on this regularly occurring so segment fir- of the show. Okay, so it wasn't like our first appearance, like as far back as you could go, you couldn't even get our first appearance on the show up. <laughs> no. So I went to the, the longer archive online. There's a longer w- one. <laughs> tried some different searches, went back even further, and I managed to get back into 2014. And sort of ran out of links at that point within that archive, went back to the podcast itself and found a show in 2013 where I was able to search through descriptions and find the show. And that episode already had Lizzie and me again talking about the segment as a regularly occurring segment. So now I've got to go back even further in time and I no longer have descriptions to use to figure out (laughs) what happened in the show. So I actually had to listen to the early episodes of the Dinner Party download. It was so early in the show that they didn't have the format fully established yet. They weren't describing the show in a consistent way, the same way the early episodes of this show look a little different than the regular episodes now. Were they the half hour shows or that because we I know we joined them roughly when it became an hour show, right? I don't know if we were on before the before the switch, were we? We were a couple of times. Okay, (laughs) but the archive for the show really starts when they went to that hour long format. 
Wow. So if you go all the way back to our very first episode, you're way back in 2012, if you can believe it, almost oh, 10 years ago. Nine years ago. Wow. Yeah. And we know the guys already. They refer to us as – and the guys are Brendan and Rico, yeah. the hosts of the Dinner Party Download. Part of what was so fun about it was hearing their voices again. They became such good friends. It was like running yeah. into old friends again. But – in that, that very first show, they refer to us as the kids from the Emily Post <laughs> Institute. Do you remember when they adjusted that to say the etiquette ninjas? And I was like, I love that title. It was it so was much better. There, And then we had capes at one point. I think we were like etiquette superheroes at one point. But they, they were so much fun. I loved it when you shared the link and told me where to go uh, listen in the file that you shared with me. Hearing their voices, hear, hearing how young and vibrant we sounded i mean it was like pre-pandemic you know just like so pre so many things but it really brought me back it really brought me back to talking to the two of them and also to laughing about how those conversations that that we had with them were then edited <laughs> and like mm -hmm. the particular one that you show like i mean we are we're like slinging insults with a lot of joking going on that like you wouldn't necessarily hear us do that same way on on awesome etiquette no. but being with the boys being with the guys it was like we i don't know there was this thing about how everyone was kind of like laughing about how how rude people could be kind of you know what i mean like that it was like a, a choice you know and i don't know it was i thought i thought it was a lot of fun but it was also it was it was fun to hear that kind of almost like make fun of etiquette while also finding the useful true answer <laughs> that i felt like that show had you know it re it really did and it, it's worth mentioning and and should be noted that the show was often humorous Yes. That it was designed to feed your dinner party conversation. It was your weekly dinner party download. And there was a regular segment on the show about etiquette that we visited monthly. But when we weren't there, they would have celebrity guests answering the <laughs> etiquette questions. And not Ed always Asner, well. <laughs> Metallica. I think the very first episode had Tim Gunn answering yeah. etiquette questions. Totally, um, totally. And also sometimes very some well. <laughs> I was going to say, depending on who it was, sometimes it was really great advice. Sometimes it was purely humorous, you know. I happened to find the show because I was doing a lot of etiquette searching where Judith Martin was a guest on the oh. dinner party download. Oh, I'd love to hear that one. When we're talking about feeding your uh, dinner party conversation, there is a great feature on the show where guests share a favorite joke. And they oh, totally. It as the opening for the show. The show opens every week with a joke. I think it was and called The Icebreaker. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I was going through and I was reading show descriptions and the length of time it took me to read a show description was about how long it took them to tell the opening joke. Yeah. So I was just sitting there show after show after show after show. Joke, 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 Cracking up. Just loving it. Did you ever find one that you did? I know they'd asked us to submit them a couple times. I don't know that ours were ever used. They used my three knock-knock jokes. They did. Oh, they did? Oh, do you have them? Or do we, do we want to send people to go find I'll them? I'll never tell. Yes, <laughs> you have to go find them, the three knock-knock jokes. Okay. 
<laughs> fair enough, cousin. Fair enough. <laughs> um, it really, it really is fun to think about that show, as I said before, as the origins for this show. That yeah. the the couple of questions, the debating things back and forth, the exploring different elements of a question. Well, it's all stuff you know we've, we're familiar with, heard before, doing interviews, that sort of thing doing it with two very bright and funny in individuals doing it together as a team, which was pretty mm -hmm. rare for us. Typically back then when we did interviews, we did them solo unless it was requested that two of us join. And it happened to be that, uh, the, the guy at our company who was setting up interviews at that time, uh, set us up to do it together. And we thought it would be a good thing together. And it, it, we were so delighted when they came back and said, could we do a regular running segment with you? It was the kind of thing we'd always hoped for. And these, these, we felt like were the perfect hosts to do it with. And it was just so much fun. And it really did, I think, prep us well for getting to the point. I mean, cause we did that show for years before we started awesome etiquette. And I think it, it, it really prepped us to do awesome etiquette. Well, I, I think of them as like a, a big brother or cousin show that we, big sister show that we look up to, you know, and, and emulate and then like branched off on our own. <laughs> I think that's really well said. And we were talking earlier about how it was sort of a humorous take and yeah. <laughs> something about their type of humor didn't make etiquette the butt of the joke. Yes. And it's something that we always worried about when we talked about mixing etiquette and humor because it's mm -hmm. such, such an easy thing to do. And ultimately, they're so respectful. Their their humor was was quick and witty, but it came from a good place. And that that worked really well with our material. And I think the best evidence of that, how, how natural a fit it was, was that people started very quickly writing in requesting that their questions be delivered to Lizzie and Dan from the Emily Post Institute. Oh, and they say, can the Post kids answer this? I remember Because people like the humor, but they also <laughs> wanted the good answer. No, and totally. the two went well together. Well, and the humor, too, that was like a lot of the times we were able to make fun of the rudeness. Like in, in the clip that you showed mm -hmm. me, I mean, we're bringing up the idea of how are you complimenting someone when you say certain things? And most of the actual like answer we give is us joking about the thing you wouldn't say to somebody like. And it, in case you were ever wondering. It, yeah, exactly. Just like, no, we don't recommend this. And and we do say like we actually say it rather than not say it. Um, but it's it, it was a lot of times making fun of the bad etiquette. And there there just was an element with those two that made that really fun to do. I, I miss I miss them a lot. I miss those segments. <laughs> well, I am looking forward to sending a little clip of this postscript to both Rico Gagliano and Brendan Noonan of, well, formerly of the Dinner Party Download. We'll definitely be putting up links over on Patreon. So jump on over to Patreon slash Awesome Etiquette to check those out. And we once again highly recommend looking through this archive, not only for more Awesome Etiquette style content, but also for those opening jokes. Knock, knock. I'll never tell. <laughs> Here we are at a nice, friendly party. Watch carefully everything the people at this party do and say. Then ask yourself... Would I rate them plus or minus as friends? Ready? Here we go. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute from Keisha. 
I went to the grocery store back in May, and this was during a time when I mostly was doing my grocery shopping online, but there were always those few things that I had to go to the store to get because they were unavailable or for whatever whatever reason. So I went into the store and proceeded to decide that I didn't need a cart. It was just a couple of things, but I started stacking things into my arms very precariously, might I add. And sure enough, after five minutes of this, I had a tower that was past my mask and up to my eyes, and it toppled to the ground, and it was so embarrassing. And so my etiquette salute is for a police officer who was in plain clothes and just had a local police cap on, like a baseball cap. That must have been his day off. And he was pushing an empty cart with uh, what appeared to be teenage son. And he saw all of this transpire, all of my the items I'd been holding on the floor and said, ma'am, would it be okay if I approached to help you pick those up? And I said, yes, thank you. Uh, so first of all, that was so kind that he even asked to make sure it was okay to get within my six foot bubble there. And uh, so after he proceeded to pick up most of the, the things that I had dropped, he just picked them right into his empty cart there and said, I'm going to go ahead and give you this cart. Son, would you go grab another one? So I just thought that was so kind in a time uh, when when people's uh, anxieties were just really up and we all can just really benefit from being kind to one another. So hats off to you, sir. Thank you very much for your help. And Dan and Lizzie, I am a super fan of the show. I'm an avid listener of podcasts, and yours is one of only two that I stay completely current with. So thanks for all the great work you do. And I hope that the next generation of little cousins takes on the mantle and continues all the wonderful things of Emily Post. Thank you. Oh, Keisha, that is such a great example of just when when someone truly does in a very gentle and respectful way, come to your rescue and just make your life everything easier, right. you know, just everything. right. Oh, it's like it soothed the embarrassment. It, it soothed the issue of now I still have all these items, but what am I going to do with them? And it just and then a great example of a like, you know, probably teen or preteen being helpful. Like it that's just it's lovely. It's, it's a lovely example of kindness and compassion out out in the world and especially this was back in May so during times that are difficult and confusing Keisha thank you so much for the salute and thank you for listening and thank you to everyone who sent us something and who supports us on Patreon please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, coworkers, and on social media. You can send us your next question, feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette, where you are also going to find some pretty awesome bonus content. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And if you love awesome etiquette, please consider leaving us a review. It helps with our show ranking, which helps new people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd all the way up in Alaska. Thanks, Chris and Bridget. Thanks, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.